When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into the latest edition of ESPN FC. My name is Kay Murray. Here in the studio we have Craig Burley and Shaka Hislop and we will start tonight's show by talking about the Premier League action that we saw at Stamford Bridge between Chelsea and Manchester City who beat them by a goal to nil. Now it was a goalless first half. Pep Guardiola changed things up in the second half though and those second half substitutes made the difference. Jack Grealish and Riyad Mahrez combining for the only goal of the game. It means that City keep the pressure on Arsenal at the top of the table while the pressure very much remains on Graham Potter as coach of Chelsea. City moving five points behind league leaders Arsenal with this result. Chelsea still intense right now but there were positive signs in this game as we welcome in Nader Manua and Frank LeBoff. But I will start with you Craig. Well yeah I'm going to start because <laughs> I'm, I'm intrigued by that comment you made there. You don't think we, there are any positives at all for well, Chelsea today? We're going to find some positives for Chelsea today. <laughs> I'm, I'm like... How long have we got? I've got a bit of time. I can sit and have a think. It wasn't their worst display, though, was it? No. I mean, is that the positive? <laughs> I suppose so. <laughs> Listen, against, against, right, against the defending champions, Manchester City. Look. Where are we starting? City or Chelsea? No, let, let's get Chelsea. back to Chelsea. I, no. I thought they were. <laughs> all right, then, go on. I'm, I'm good. I'm, no, they were okay. I mean, look, where do we sit here? I. City made all these changes in the first half. People were playing in positions that we don't normally become accustomed to them playing. Cancelo uh, was on the right. They played three at the back. Rodri kept dropping it at the back, the back line. I thought De Bruyne and Gundogan never really get in the game in the first half. And hence, neither did Foden and neither did Haaland. And that's why he made two changes at halftime and two more changes not long into the se second half. So, so I mean, I suppose. If you want me to say it, I'll say Chelsea were not that bad against Man City, who were not their sparkling best. That's about as rosy as I can well, I, I'll be a little rosier into, for, for Chelsea. I thought Chelsea played well. I, I thought Cucurella, who I'm not a big fan of, I thought he covered a lot of ground on that left-hand side. Kovacic through the middle. He was I thought Cucurella was hopeless. I, I, he got taken off because he got beat one-on-one yeah, one every time. But he covered so much ground on that left-hand side that it gave Chelsea it gave Chelsea an option going forward. I thought Kovacic was good in the midfield. I thought Zakaria was the best player. When, when, when City pressured, it was either kind of, if you find a passing lane into the front three, use that, or, or more times than not, Kovacic kind of worked his way out and, and, and found room. And, and again, I thought that was good. But where Chelsea, again, even when they did that, even when they got bodies forward, where Chelsea continued to let themselves down is, and we've been seeing, speaking about this for the last couple of seasons, the lack of a striker. Now, Aubameyang comes on after, what, two minutes, two and a half minutes, and, and I'll, I'll be honest, I'm not sure I can tell you what Aubameyang did for, for, the, for the entire game, and, and that was desperately disappointing. But just in terms of what we've seen from Chelsea before and what we saw against City, despite the changes, we are talking about the reigning champions, we are talking about the favourites to go on and repeat. I thought this was a whole lot better from Chelsea. It was better early on, I'll give you that, when City were out of shape. Uh, but they're so, I mean, right, I know you say Cucurella covered a lot of ground. I mean, Cancelo turned them inside out before he was taken off. And he wasn't great. Bernardo Silva then went out there, gave him a little bit of a roasting. Uh, and Riyad Mahrez went out there. And he, can't, he couldn't defend one-on-one, -on -one, Cucurella. And he was replaced by, by the young boy. Kai Havertz, once again, was another one that might as well have went and sat on the subs bench. And I agree with Shaq on Aubameyang. I mean, that's embarrassing. I mean, he came on early, obviously, and lasted 68 minutes. And did he... Did I, he do I, anything? I, I don't remember thinking. He's not even making any. He's not even making any challenges. He's not working hard. So, yeah, I mean, I'll buy it. They only lost one 0 I, I tell That's you what. I, I, to, to that point, right? Um, both teams said they would work once each. I, I honestly can't explain Kepa letting the ball run across him as he did, but 
let's say he gathers that in, and we sit here discussing a nil-nil, we say, yes, City were better, but Chelsea kind of deserved their point. I, I think that's how we we'd interpret this. But for what is a goalkeeper mistake, and don't get me wrong, Kep has been absolutely fantastic. Um, so that was uncharacteristic of what we've seen from uh, of late. So um, you, you take that in, in, into account. But apart from that, if it was nil-nil, I don't think anybody begrudged Chelsea that point. Frank, what's your take on Chelsea today? I think I would have to go with, with Craig, where I think they did well because the first half of Manchester City wasn't in a real... Uh, in real good shape, you know, the positioning of uh, uh, Bernardo Silva and De Bruyne, uh, the Cancelo positioning on the right side with Walker didn't work. And we all know that uh, Pep Guardiola doesn't like to make changes. The last game, he changed uh, three players in, in the, uh, the last 10 minutes of the game. And today, today halftime, he made two changes because he realized that the right side wasn't working and uh, he had to put back Bernardo Silva on the right and De Bruyne also on the right side. And at the beginning of the second half, it was a different game. And Chelsea was under pressure, couldn't get out. And it was completely, uh, yeah, again, a different game. Chelsea, yeah, they tried to exist. Koulibaly and Thiago Silva had a good game. Uh, Zakaria was absolutely fantastic in the middle of the park. Kovacic was helpful at some point. But uh, I will go with the guys, you know, at front, it's impossible. You can't, you can't see your future with that, those guys playing at front. Yeah, Ryan Sterling was... Uh, was got injured, Polisic got injured, but would have changed something if they, they would have stayed on the field? I don't think so. Um, I think um, we are off-season for, for Chelsea. They, they have to do what they can do, and we'll see next season what they're going to hire, who they're going to hire, who they're going to get rid of, because I don't see anything positive. Uh, I see a little bit better, but because Manchester City didn't do what they had to do, but clearly, we're talking about Chelsea. We're not talking about a young team uh, 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 with the beginning of an era. We are talking about a team who changed the chairman, who changed the coach, who spent millions of, uh, of pounds to get a better, a better team. And uh, we are trying to find excuses because they have injuries and they don't have a bench. Uh, the, the, the future is not, right, is not bright, that's for sure. Pep Guardiola has certainly got himself a bench nadem. His changes won him the game today, didn't they? Uh, yeah, I think that is the case. I think, obviously, you're talking about the changes at halftime because the changes before the game clearly didn't work out for them. I think there were one or two players who maybe were in uncomfortable positions. But I think the key thing there is, even though they were in those positions, some of them just weren't playing well individually anyway. I think, as you could see with Cancelo and the like, but... In the end, as I say, made those changes, and even though it feels like a lot did change, the system itself wasn't that different, but I think the level did increase, and I think we saw at the start of that second half, something which was closer to a Man City side, which we're used to. They really pinned Chelsea back, and then it seemed like Chelsea lost a bit of hope from that point. But in the end, uh, I'm with the guys. I think Chelsea did overall make a good game of it, but I don't think that was necessarily the reason why City were bad in that first half. I think a lot of that was down to the City side of things, and I think for for Pep, as Frank said there, he doesn't really like to make changes. So the fact that he felt he had to and the fact that he did actually do it, especially at half-time, I think that's very, very significant. But like I say, for Man City, they'll take the three points. It's far from a perfect game, but it's three points on the board. And now you're seeing the certain players that are in form and certain players who are maybe a bit rusty because this is their first start back since the World Cup itself. So I think for Man City, as I say, take the three points and then just move on to the next game, ironically, against Chelsea. I think it was uh, good for Grealish, to, even though you can look at Kepa, it was good for Grealish to get get that brilliant little... And it was a brilliant pass. It should have been across. It should have been dealt with, I would imagine, as Shaq said. But it wasn't. And so that's the end product. I think we're all looking with Jack Grealish when, when he gets into those positions. We know Riyad Mahrez generally is a, a, a game winner, a game changer, whatever you want to call him. But City haven't been playing startling. Yeah, they beat Leeds, yes, they beat Liverpool. That was an exciting game. But don't forget, there was the draw with Everton in, in pre-World Cup. There was the loss at home to Brentford. So it's been a little bit uh, stop-start. And you're looking at City at the moment, really at the back, and you think, what's his best back for? What's he going to do? So I think he's still got some stuff to figure out. He said himself, we have to be almost perfect uh, because obviously Arsenal are so far ahead. I'm sure Arsenal will have some bumps to get over as well. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think 
it doesn't really matter, I suppose, if you're City, you win four or five and you play great, or you win one and you take the three points. It's, it is what it is, Kay, you know, you just, they've got the job done. Uh, as for, I mean, I suppose in some senses we look at the, the odds to win the Premier League, I, I, you know, City are going to hunt you down, I think we know that. They're going to hunt Arsenal down, whether they get past them or not remains to be seen. But I think one thing I can say for Chelsea is they have got a horrendous injury list. Yes. Right, that's the one thing I can say, and, and that was added to it by the two players. There's no, you can't, we can't deny that, right? So that's making Graham Potter's job more difficult. Uh, However, to steal the line in the commentary of Peter Drury, and now it's quite astonishing, that's six points from 24. That's eight games. Now, you do the maths, that, that kind of return isn't even going to keep you up in the division. Not that they're going to be in a relegation battle, but it's tell, telling you the kind of form that that's heading for less than 30 points for the whole season. So that's something that has to be remedied and remedied quickly. Uh, I don't think Graham Potter's job is in immediate doubt, but we don't know Todd Bowley and his consortium and how they're going to act. But there's one thing we know, that a lot of the guys there, and some of them we saw today, are unlikely to, go to, are unlikely to bail him out of trouble if this continues. Very, very unlikely. Yeah, it's a personnel problem for Graham Potter, Frank, that's just been made worse, as Craig said, with those early injuries in this game. We saw in the stands, though, ahead of the game, Benoit Badia-Shield, a defender. Obviously, they need someone scoring the goals for them at the moment, but what more can you tell us about this player? Well, he's a young player. He's fast, he's strong, he, he has a great future, but... Um... As you say, he's not a striker, <laughs> and he's what Chelsea needs right now. And, uh, but he's a great future. He signed until the 2030, uh, so it says a lot about the future that the club wants to, to bet on him, and, uh, and that's a very good signing. He's a very good player. He did, he did, he did very well with um, Monaco, and, uh, and I'm pretty sure his future with, uh, with the Blues would be, be, be bright because he's, he's very, very talented. Uh, he's, I think Chelsea is preparing the... Uh, the retirement at some point uh, from Thiago Silva. I don't know when it's gonna when it's gonna happen, but I think Badiashil, sorry, and uh, Fofana are the future after Koulibaly and uh, Thiago Silva. Thiago Silva will uh, will retire. It's a bit worrying when you're going to be prepared. Well, you know, he's got he's got this season left, Thiago Silva. I would imagine he's going to get at least another year, but it's a little worrying when he's still your best player. If you take him out this side. You know, it's, it's hard to see how this back four would be able to operate uh, without his sort of leadership qualities. And, and yes, it's all very well buying for the future, and I understand that, but there's a manager here who needs some assistance, and obviously he, he's going to hope that he gets that from injured players coming back. Mason Mount was another one. It wasn't available today. But I just worry for... I just worry about the road this consortium are going down at the moment with this manager and where it's all going to end because it's it's, it's a worrying time for sure. Uh, yeah, when it comes to this January transfer window though, one player that has been a top priority is Enzo Fernandez. It seems that Chelsea have angered Benfica coach though, Roger Schmidt, who said this is a club that wants him. They try to attract him, but they know they can only have him if they pay the clause. It's disrespectful to all of us, to Benfica. They're driving the player crazy. They pretend they want to pay the clause and then they want to negotiate. So Schmidt had said, you know, the release clause is understood to be 120 million euros. Chelsea have maintained that they don't want to overpay and will walk away if a deal cannot be made. It all seems a little bit chaotic, their transfer policy at the moment. Well, I, I, I can't comment on their strategy in that front, but one of the things they might be trying to do is, is if they don't want to pay the release clause, is unsettle the player. And then it becomes a game of, of bluff in terms of how unhappy is uh, Enzo Fernandez, how far does he push that, and are Benfica then willing to buckle? Which I would imagine from that statement, uh, although that's not from ownership, I would imagine the answer is probably that Benfica are not willing to buckle below that price, particularly for a, a youngster who's so talented and a recent World Cup winner. So I think Chelsea will have to pay. The, the, the trouble Kate. with this is, and, and while I, just say, well, sorry Frank, 
while, while I do sympathise with what Roger Smith is, is, is saying there, every single club does it. And, I, I, and, and while he's, ab again, he's absolutely right, um, I'm sure Benfica have been guilty of it in the past. We will we, we continue to, to have these conversations. And to that point, if I'm Chelsea, I know what the, the release clause is. Um, but I'm we're still, what, the 5th of January? First week of January, I'm, I'm, I've got the whole month to go. I'm trying to negotiate. And again, that's, that's just business. That's, not, um, I, that's, that's nothing kind of untoward or, or, or unheard of. Um, this, this will have a long way to go yet. And, and again, it, it's, he's, he's signed to Benfica. They can manage that situation as best they can. If they're determined to have the, to have the full exit clause paid, they, they say that to Sergio Fernandez, uh, and they make sure he understands that. And, and that's it. That's how these transfers always happen nowadays. Frank? Yeah, I think uh, we talked about it. Uh, yes, Enzo Fernandez is a future <laughs> talent and he's absolutely fa a fantastic player already. But he has two years of experiences in uh, the top, top level. And uh, we are talking about 130 million. We're not talking about 20, 30, 40. And, uh, and uh, Chelsea already spent lots of money. Not at some point, you know, and sometimes, you know, in the in nice way when I'm talking about Cucurella for 70 million. But <clears throat> when you have Zakaria on loan from, uh, from Juventus and you see the kind of game that he can have in the middle of the park, you know that you have Kovacic, you know that you have uh, Chukomwenka, who can give a lot to the club. Do you have to spend 130 million to a player who has a bright future but doesn't uh, give you 100% insurance that it's going to work? And on top of it, what is your target? Where do you have to improve your squad? Do you really think it's in the middle of the park that you have to do that? No, it's in the front. If you have to spend 130 million at some players, you can have maybe a very good striker for that price. So is it a good option? I don't know. Maybe, but I'm not sure is the priority for the club. Let's throw it forward then, Nadam, because these two sides meet again on Sunday, this time at the mm -hmm. Etihad and this time in FA Cup competition. How do you see this game going? Uh, to be honest, I wouldn't be surprised personally if, say, the Chelsea team that finished the game today might be the team which they send up to Manchester in a few days' time. And from the City perspective, there are probably some players again like Al Walker, Cancelo now, who only played the 45 minutes, who want to play a bit more. And I think it's, it's a really weird tie. Like in the game today, watching Chelsea-Man City should feel like it's a really, really big game. But at times within it, I don't know if it was the crowd or just something about it. It didn't really feel that way. I think the position that Chelsea are in sort of makes you look at them with a sort of different eye, especially when you have the injuries which they already had, plus the two more which they gained within the game. But for the FA Cup, I'm sure their fans will go up to Manchester. They'll support them really well. And I think if Potter can maybe put out some of those youngsters to get them sort of excited in terms of making the fans you know, want to really get behind them, then, then great. Because, you know, I'm with the guys. I thought Chukwemeka played really well today. And there are one or two others as well who, um, you know, will get the, get the crowd off their seats. So I think I'm going to obviously have to lean towards Man City in terms of taking the win because they do have players like uh, Alvarez who has to come in and play as well. But for Chelsea, you know, what have you got to lose now? I think most people have kind of semi-written off the season already. So you can go out, kind of feels like a free hit. If you put in a good performance, maybe you'll win. But a good performance is what you need to get the fans back on board, I feel. Because, you know, the situation that they're in, it seems like it's going to be a tough few months for them unless something changes quickly. What are your thoughts on this game on Sunday? I think, I think both will make changes, but I think Man City will see a... a I think we'll see a sharper Man City, particularly at home. Uh, moving the ball quicker, a uh, bit like we saw certainly in the first 20 minutes of the second half where, as Nadam said, they had Chelsea pretty much pinned back. Uh, I don't think Guardiola was happy at all with the sloppiness of the, the first half. I think Harlan looked a little bit frustrated uh, up front. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I expect more of the same domination from Man City and you know, Graham Potter has it's a walking wounded for him but he needs to, this is the, the nature of managing big clubs and with expectations uh, and he just look the expectation is to lose but I mean he, he can ill afford to be embarrassed which City can do to you I mean, it didn't happen today but it, it can happen and I just think he, he does not need any more confidence sapping from his team at the moment but yeah maybe play some younger players and get some energy in the side and give them some experience because let's be honest the more experienced guys are not exactly 
doing them a turn at the moment either, are they? I, I'll be honest, I'm, I'm keen to see how Potter approaches this because on the one hand, you, I, I'm thinking, well, can't make that many more changes because everybody's, everybody's injured and Craig's right, he absolutely does not want, want to be embarrassed. But at the same time, you don't want to lose any more of your, your, your first team players either. And, and Nadam described this as a, as a free hit for Chelsea, and I think that, that's absolutely right. I think the only saving of Chelsea's season, and certainly Potter, is a deep FA Cup run. Um, because, let, let's be honest, Chelsea aren't, aren't finishing in, in the top four. I, I certainly don't see it. So I think the FA Cup all of a sudden takes on a, a, an added significance because of Chelsea's league position. Um, so I, I think he approaches this far more seriously than Pep Guardiola in terms of changes and, and, and who he plays. The trouble is, even when City make changes, City are still pretty much City. And, and at home, um, I, I, I think even with those changes, they still get the better. And Chelsea go to, uh, is, I think the next game they go to Fulham in the league, which who are absolutely flying. Now that's, that's a bit of a, it's a derby. It's not the biggest derby in the world, but it's a local derby. And Marco Silva's done a marvellous job down there. And he's going to have to find, he has to find some results. Right, that, I mean, performance is great, right? But, but at the moment, he needs to find some results to buy him a little bit of time to, A, they either get people in or B, they get people back. Uh, so it's, an, I mean, again, we talked about Chelsea off the back of the World Cup. It was important for him to hit the ground running. They haven't done that. Now we have January with some big games and, and he's going to have to find a way to, to drag out some results because we're not seeing... And it's been difficult for him. He comes in off the back of the sacking. They have a good start. Then the World Cup comes along. Then all these injuries. We're certainly not seeing a blueprint of what Potter did at Brighton and how he made those changes. We're not seeing this at Chelsea at the moment. So he needs to get some results in the meantime. Well, we'll be getting the whole panel back for extra time this evening. No changes here. All four of them will be answering your questions. And you can always stay up to date with extra time by subscribing to our YouTube channel. Passion, drive and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights and more. Whether you're into speed, power or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Did you know less than 10% of Americans own an e-bike? Here's why that should change. Studies show e-bike owners actually end up exercising more, plus getting outside more. If you're looking for a balanced lifestyle and everyday adventures, you need to check out Electric e-bikes. They are the number one selling e-bike brand in America. Their bikes are typically foldable, pre-assembled and have serious range up to 150 miles on some models. Check them out today at electricebikes.com and add some more adventure to your week. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-Bikes.com. There's a whole host of FA Cup Round 3 games coming up starting Friday when Manchester United take on Everton at Old Trafford. United in search of a seventh straight victory in all competitions, but things are not going so smoothly for Frank Lampard's Everton. They come into this clash on the back of a 4-1 home defeat in the Premier League to Brighton and just taking a look at the odds of the next PL manager to be sacked, Frank Lampard, up at the top of this one. He is under a whole lot of pressure, Shaka. He, he is, and, and I'll be honest, I'm surprised that he's still Everton manager, given what we, given what we saw over, over recent days. And going up against Manchester United at Old Trafford, the kind of form that, that they've been showing of late under Ten Hag, this, this couldn't be a worse fixture um, for Frank Lampard and, and Everton, in, in, in all honesty. And my fear is, again, you, you find yourself on the, on the wrong end of a heavy result here, I'm not sure how Frank Lampard explains that. I'm not sure how, how he survives it. And as I say, I'm, I'm a little bit shocked that he's still the Everton manager even today. We see all those uh, 
odds there for managers. If I was any one of them, I wouldn't touch it. I wouldn't touch this job. And, and, I, and Everton, I've been a great club. It's a great place to go and play, Goodison. I know they've got the new stadium coming up. And the, 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 historically, the, over the years, they've had some, some really good success. But at the moment, and I heard my old Celtic teammate, Alan Stubbs, former Everton player, Everton fan, I heard them talking about it a couple of days ago on BBC Five Live, how the whole place is rotten from top to bottom. From Mashiri to Kenwright, banning former players, anybody voices an opinion about the problems. Uh, the recruitment policy has been horrible. And yeah, the buck stops with the manager. When you go in there, you take <coughs> that chance. And Frank Lampard, like the rest, will probably be sacked. But if I was a decent manager at the moment, with the ownership at this football club, if Frank Lampard was sacked, I would not touch it. Do you think Frank Lampard will be sacked if he doesn't get a positive result here, Nadem? Nah, to be honest, I don't think this is going to be the defining moment for it. I think as some people have seen at Everton, they're not exactly in the best of spots. And as, as Craig said there, you know, this is top to bottom. There are significant issues within the club itself. So it's not just a case of managing what goes on on the field. And I think for them, it's, it's just, it's such a, an interesting position for them to be in because they got, they, you know, they got battered at home basically by Brighton. But the week before, they're feeling that sense of pride because they got a point away at the Etihad against Man City. But this is the way that football works. The expectation goes up and down. I think for the fans going to the game against United, I don't think many will be expecting much. So for those players, you know, maybe they can put forward a really strong defensive performance, which kind of shows that, you know, they're all still pulling in the right direction. And with ball carriers like Damari Grainer, like maybe they could find some sort of opportunity. But I don't think this is the defining moment for me when it comes down to Frank Lampard. And as Craig was saying, you know, if you do get rid of him, who are you going to entice to come in and try and deal with, the, deal with some of these problems, which as every game passes, seems to be more and more clear. Some of the issues about Everton seem to be in the press more. People sense how bad things are going for them. And, you know, it's so tight down there at the bottom. And maybe someone can maximise the sort of work, work, worth of those players. But after that, what comes next? Are Everton a touch side that's going to be mid-table? Probably not. Is it a club that's going to be looking to be climbing the league and doing really well? Probably not. So maybe Frank Lampard's the right person for this moment. And maybe he can find a bit more from the side. But I don't think it comes at Old Trafford at the weekend, but I think it can put forward a performance, especially away from home, which could make people believe that maybe, you know, he can get the best out of the side because he did manage to do it last year. So why would he not uh, be able to do it again this year? However, Frank, Manchester United with their form right now are not an easy side to come up against. Definitely not. They're full of confidence, they play very well and they, uh, well, play, play well, better than before and, they, and they're uh, very effective. So, of course, not, it's not going to be easy for, for Frank Lampard. And, uh, and Manchester is getting close to, to get the, at least the Champions League spot, you know, a very, uh, um, for the next season. And if they can get another silverware with the FA Cup, they're going to go for it. Uh, they find a new spirit. Um, I, feel, I think um, they, they, they find also players who are willing to, to do better, to, uh, to be more effective, to, to do what they have to do, and on top of it, to do more than that. So it's, it's possible for, for Manchester United to, to surprise everybody because after the beginning of the season and the Ten Hag you know, situation with Ronaldo and some others, it's getting better. It's, it seems to be like everything in the dressing room is perfect and everything works perfectly uh, on the field. So, yeah, it's not going to be an easy task for Frank Lampard and Everton, for sure. That game will kick off a whole host of games coming up for you on ESPN Plus this weekend. Manchester United against Everton gets everything underway. All the FA Cup action and La Liga as well right here on ESPN Plus with wraparound coverage as well. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't a search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work, use Indeed for scheduling, screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash FC. Just go to Indeed.com slash FC right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on the podcast. Indeed.com slash FC, terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. U.S. Women's National Team head coach Vlatko Andonovsky has named a 24-player roster for the January training camp and trip to New Zealand, where they will face World Cup co-hosts in a two-game series. The USA will be without their injured forwards, Sophia Smith and Megan Rapinoe, but two players do return from long-term injuries in defender Emily Sonnet and forward Lynn Williams. Meanwhile, Greg Berhalter has told a conference that he would like to continue as U.S. men's national team coach. He said it's about being able to take that next step, and the next step is doing something that no U.S. team has ever done, and that's get to the semifinals and see what happens from there. So there's a lot of great challenges involved. Of course, I'd like to continue in my role, obviously. Speaking about 2026 here, here is the timeline of events so far with regards to the Berhalter and Rayner situation. December the 11th is when the comments were leaked with the off-the-record leadership conference that Berhalter had almost sent an unnamed player home. On December 12th, Gio Rayner responded saying that he was the player in question. On January 3rd, Greg Berhalter released a statement admitting to domestic violence with now wife from 1991, the incident occurring. Berhalter claiming that the info was shared with U.S. Soccer to take him down. January 3rd, U.S. Soccer announces the ongoing investigation into the allegations against Berhalter. And on January 4th, Danielle Rayner confirmed she shared information about domestic violence uh, this incident with the U.S. Soccer's Ernie Stewart on a December the 11th call. Well, we can now welcome in two former U.S. men's national team players in Hercules Gomez and Casey Keller as well. Casey, you know both of these families well. What's your take on this whole situation? I think it's, it's, it's extremely, you know, sad for, you know, two longtime friends to get into this kind of situation. Um, Look, I know, look, it's a World Cup, emotions, all kinds of crazy stuff happen. Uh, there's obviously uh, corporate issues that, you know, weren't there 10 years ago. For example, you know, Ernie Stewart and the Reinas have been friends for 20, 25 years. You know, it's a conversation between, you know, Danielle and Ernie about... Uh, you know, the difficulties and the emotion of, you know, the way she felt her son was being treated. But because of, of bylaws, then Ernie has to start this, this investigation, um, which, you know, 10 years ago would have just been a private conversation between two old friends for context. Uh, so obviously, U.S. soccer has to do their due diligence. They do it. It doesn't look like you know, they obviously didn't find anything else in this situation. So for me, this whole side of it, because if, if, if we're all judged based on who we are as 18-year-olds for the rest of our lives, it's just an unfair scenario. So for me, this whole scenario for Greg's future is over. It, it, doesn't, it, it doesn't come into to play with anything else going forward. So for me, this whole situation now is based off of U.S. soccer's internal analysis of Greg Berhalter, the coach of the U.S. national team, and how they felt his qualifying campaign was, how he felt his World Cup campaign was, how the interactions with players, with staff, with the, the tactical side of things, um, is he the guy that did what they wanted him to do? Let's be honest. What were the, the goals that Greg Berhalter had in taking the job? There was two, qualify and get out of the first round. So Greg achieved those two goals. Now, the big issue going forward is with everything that's transpired minus 
whatever happened when you were 18, is he the guy that still has the control of the locker room, still has the greater squad respect? Because this isn't a club team. In a club team environment, Greg Berhalter can go sign 10 new players and get rid of 10 players. In a national team environment, you have what you have. And you have to then still have that respect within the locker room. And I think that is one of the big questions going forward for U.S. soccer. Has Greg done enough damage um, with the comments uh, at, the, at the conference, with the way some of the man, man management happened, you know, in the naming of the squad, because now we're seeing something from Ricardo Pepe coming out, uh, and then how that all has transpired, and can is he now the right guy to go forward? Well, that's the big question, isn't it, Herg? Because obviously Berhalter has said he wants to continue and he wants to go forward, but can he? Should he? I didn't have him going forward before this incident, before this saga unfolded for the U.S. Soccer Federation. Um, Greg Berhalter, we can't just do a carve-out, a caveat of what just happened and exclude that. There has to be context, context excuse me, in the decision-making for, for U.S. soccer. And unfortunately, what he did at the age of 18, while unjust in the eyes of many, in today's state of mind for U.S. soccer, plays an important role. Um, I'm with Casey in what he says about things you do as an 18-year-old shouldn't impact how people view you as an adult. Unfortunately for corporate America, that's not the world we live in today. And unfortunately, it weren't actions of 18-year-olds that set off this chain of events, unfortunate chain of events that we are in today, where Rosalind Berhalter has a very painful wound open in front of the world for the world to see and her kids to see. It's adults, adults acting like children, entitled adults that have set up a very embarrassing moment, a very embarrassing stain in the history of U.S. soccer on both the women's and men's side. It's really unfortunate. I don't see how a lot of parties can come back from this in good faith, in good face. Maybe a few of those parties can still work in their day-to-day, -day, but Greg Berhalter certainly will have this impact in the decision-making from Ernie Stewart. I will repeat. I didn't have Greg Berhalter coming back with the U.S. men's national team. I don't think he did enough. I know the bar that was set for him, as Casey mentioned, is, is very accurate, and he's right. Two things, qualify, get out of the group. But if you put into perspective what Greg Berhalter today has said about a realistic goal for 2026, his is semifinal in 2026. Mine is quarterfinal. If two ties, a win versus Iran... And a loss are enough in the eyes of many with not having world-class players of getting out of your group in 2026 and making a realistic run to a semifinal game, being one game away from the final, in a game where only eight countries have ever won a World Cup, I, I think it's very difficult. And if I have to go off sporting matters, he's not the man. Including this, I don't know how you come back from this. So, Casey, if, if he can't hold on to his job here, where do U.S. soccer go from here? Who do they put in and when? Yeah, okay, that's, a, that's the big question because you understand that U.S. soccer is really only having technically three and a half, four years of friendlies before, you know, they, they then have the World Cup campaign. Who wants to come into a scenario this early where your really assessment isn't really happening for another two years because it doesn't matter what Christian Pulisic does today in, in the Chelsea match. We're talking about four years down the line where it matters. I could really see somebody wanting to take this job a year and a half before the World Cup. Have that like around, you know, post-Christmas. You then have the end of one season to do some evaluation before the summer uh, before the World Cup, where then you're going to have a series of games, maybe a Copa America, maybe some of this, and then a full year of friendlies to get ready with your squad. 
Um, but to start so early is, is very tricky. So it wouldn't even surprise me if it was a situation where U.S. soccer went into an, an interim type situation for two years and then reevaluate after that. So it is. It's who, when, where, what's the budget for the manager? Because a lot of those names on that list aren't coming in for a million dollars. And, you know, where does U.S. soccer's commitment to then, you know, pay someone like a Zidane, what he would demand to, to do this job. Who do you think the right fit would be her? You know, I'm with Casey thinking a, a name like uh, Zinedine Zidane or, or Jurgen Klopp or Pep Guardiola or Jose, Jose, uh, Jose Mourinho would maybe be out of reach uh, for a few reasons. Uh, their own personal reasons or, or the money, et cetera, what, whatever the case may be. I think the one name that keeps circulating um, because he keeps inserting himself in this conversation, is, is Jesse Marsh. And Jesse Marsh today is the manager at Leeds. That doesn't mean tomorrow, a few months from now, maybe a year from now, he will be the manager at Leeds. He's mentioned the U.S. men's national team as a very, a very excuse me, favorable destination for himself. I could see Jesse Marsh with this pool um, being very willing and maybe almost a perfect fit, a realistic fit, I think Jesse Marsh is, is the route if I were U.S. soccer um, going forward. But, 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 Herc, I don't think that route going forward makes sense for Jesse Marsh if he's successful in Europe. Right. So that's the, that's the, that's the tricky part about it. He will stay in Europe as long as he has an opportunity to continue to coach at that level. Um, I mean, I remember a conversation I had with Greg, you know, before he took the U.S. national team job, and there was still – you know, that difficulty with a young manager that wants to be on the training pitch every day with more opportunity to influence your team, there's a big reason why so many national team managers are a little bit older because they're a little bit, they're 30 years of that day-to-day, and now they're looking forward to having a little bit more time away. What's always tricky with, like, Greg or, like, with Jesse, they're so early, really, in their managerial career do they want to go into a situation where they're spending two, three months without having contact with their players? And, and, and it's, it's a tough scenario for a lot of young managers. And yes, Herc, I agree with everything you say. I'm, Jesse looks at the national team job as something that at some stage, of course, he, he, he wants to be a part of. But is that too early? And, and a lot of that will depend on his success in Europe. Well, there will be a lot more talk about this. We thank the gents for joining us on the latest edition of Football Americas and what the future holds for Gio Reyna in the national setup as well. Football Americas is returning to your screens on Monday. You can always catch it on ESPN+. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And... Boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Tired of ads interrupting your favorite sports podcasts? Good news! Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music, included with your Prime membership. Amazon Music offers the most ad-free top podcasts. Enjoy shows like First Take, Pardon the Interruption, and The Low Post, available ad-free and uninterrupted. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or go to Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods. That's Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Yeah, they don't cycle very fast, do they? Wow. Julio Baptista was at Real Madrid when Dan and I were working there, so unfortunately oh, well, well, he for didn't Dan, punch Dan? No, but unfortunately the nickname The Beast was already taken. Do you think he's ever had a puncture? <laughs> Just, I'm intrigued by stuff. Uh, Stick around. Uh, if you're intrigued by what these guys have got to say a little more, we've got extra time coming no. up next. Welcome into the latest edition of Extra Time. Craig and Shaka are here in the studio. Frank and Nadem are joining us from the comfort of their own homes. Yeah. Craig, did you get any nice Christmas presents? Me? Mm-hmm. Is this a loaded question? No. No? Oh, I did actually. What yeah. did you get? 
We look at me for. I didn't it's give you anything. Hey! <laughs> oh, that's not. That's not. That's, that's, Did you have these on today for the game? Is that why not, you said Chelsea no, might do so great? No, yeah. You put them on when you watch Everton. <laughs> that's not a Christmas present. That was. They are my daughters. Suits you though. And she she insisted that I put them on and she take a photo of me. <laughs> so you look good in them. You do uh, look really good. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, 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 you for next Christmas. And... That, that's what Stevie puts them on when he's watching Liverpool. <laughs> you know when he comes in and goes, just what we expected, a 3-1 loss to Brentford. <laughs> Even though he said they were going to win 2-1. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Stevie's... First question is for you, Craig. Picking Chelsea was the wrong choice for Potter or Potter was the wrong choice for Chelsea? No, I don't think Potter was the wrong choice. I said the other day, so I have to be consistent. I think when it all shakes out, whenever that is, that maybe Chelsea were not right for him with his approach and their, his recruitment at Brighton with his staff and how he changed the way they played from the pragmatic Chris Hewton to, to this playing out from the back, fast, nice football. So, I, I don't maybe it's just right place, wrong time for him. I, 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 I sympathise with your decision to go to Chelsea, though. I, I, I'm with you. I, I think it's a former. I think um, Chelsea was the wrong choice. But given the change of ownership, Chelsea are an incredible football club. Now, let's, let's not disguise that despite what their league position may, may, may suggest. So you understand Graham Potter being interested in joining a club like, like Chelsea. But given the ownership and how it changed and um, not quite sure exactly what Bowley is going to do, I, I sympathise with, with, with him thinking that it, it, was a good, it was a good time to go. It just hasn't worked out that way for, 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 for those reasons. And we've been very critical of, of Bowley and everything that, that he's done as, as, as owner. Maybe that'll change, but there's no signs that it will. So I, I feel a little bit, I feel more sorry for, for Potter. Than it's, a bit, it's a bit like when I was at Chelsea, Glenn Hoddle was offered the England job, uh, took it because it might never come again. Uh, but he'd only really had a couple of years at Chelsea at that point and was starting to build something. We just got into the FA Cup final for the first time in I don't know how many years and we started to bring in uh, better players. But that opportunity came along, and I think in some sense, that's what Shaq is saying uh, regarding this for Graham Potter. I've kind of always felt that Tottenham was a better fit for him, because there's budget restrictions at Tottenham, kind of akin to Brighton, but they've more money, but there's still restrictions. Uh, they have, a, I would imagine, a longer term plan, and he's not going to whine, uh, although they got a good result yesterday, a really good result. He's not going to whine every press conference about, you know, recruitment and his playing staff and he's going to get on with it and they're going to play, probably play maybe better football than they are at the moment. And I, I've always felt that that fit was maybe better for both club and manager. But it's too good to turn down, wasn't it, from Brighton to Chelsea? I mean, that's just, it probably would never come again. Where do you stand on it, Frank? Was Chelsea the wrong choice for Potter or was Potter the wrong choice for Chelsea? No, I think I think from Potter you cannot, as Craig just mentioned, you cannot refuse uh, Chelsea when you're the coach of Brighton. You know, it's a big opportunity to to go to another level, so you have to accept it. But it wasn't maybe the right time because uh, Mr. Potter is a builder, and um, with like all the all big clubs, you know, you have a dictator of emergency, so you need results immediately and. Uh, and Chelsea, with the list of injuries that they have on top of uh, uh, players not being mm. that good, uh, it's becoming a problem to have the time to build and to, uh, to accept with a new chairman um, sometimes to, um, to, uh, to build something different. Um, so it's, it's not a wrong choice for Potter to go to Chelsea, but it wasn't maybe the right time for Potter to go to Chelsea. Nadem, this says, not a troll question at all. Will Chelsea finish above Brighton? <laughs> um, 
Four. Do you know what? I think I think they will. I think when they find some of their better players start coming back into the squad and things are more settled, I think they will because you know this is not too far linked, not too far away from the question just asked before. Like Chelsea's ceiling and Chelsea's potential for me just feels a lot higher than Brighton's does. You know, if Brighton finish in the European spots, that's an incredible season for them. Whereas for Chelsea, there's almost an expectation that that's where they should be every single year. And I think with the squad that they have when fully fit, they will be capable. And Graham Potter, I think with time, I think he'll be fine. But the thing is, can he can he be given time, given the fact that results aren't necessarily going the way that he would like at this moment? At this moment, but I'm a believer. I think they'll do it. I think Brighton are a very good side, and they're playing absolutely to their potential. But I think Chelsea just have that little bit more. And also to sort of piggyback on what the guys were saying before, I think Craig makes a great point about how Tottenham is probably a better fit for Potter. But then I also think Barcelona was a better fit for me, but unfortunately never worked out. So sometimes you've got to deal with the cards that you dealt. Well, just move on with your life. Yeah, I mean, that strip would that strip would have looked lovely in you and Adam. It would have. You can strolling out oh, from the no, back with I the know, ball. I know, I know. Nada Manure is the one that got mm. away from Barcelona. Yeah. Uh, there was a Exactly. Write it. Clip it. Let's go. There was a list the other day. I saw a list the other day of, of a lot of Brighton's recruitment and the price. I mean. Their recruitment in the last two or three years in particular has been incredible. It was like, you know, uh, free, free, eight million. Most of these guys were playing uh, in the game at Everton. Uh, um, they've also got a World Cup winner in Alexis McAllister. And also they've really thought out the box in the last few years, particularly again with the hiring, the hiring of Potter and then the hiring of De Zerbi, the, the little Italian. Because, you know, he was, Managing in Italy, and he went away. He was managing, I think, in Ukraine or wherever. He was. And, Mudrick. Yep. And I just think instead of just going in and going, right, give us the run-of-the-mill, sort of retread, been round the block, knows the Premier League, all that, knows the Premier League, got to know the Premier League. No, they thought out the box again, and they've been thinking outside the box with their recruitment. Uh, and that's why they've been so successful thus far. I think it's a close call, that, that, that question, where, where they're both going to end up. But certainly... Chelsea should be higher, but currently at the moment, as we speak, it's just not looking very good for them. Shaka, when did you loan Benoit Badia-Shield a snazzy NASA jacket he was wearing at the Chelsea game? Do they give anyone an internship now? Excuse me? No, not at all. I didn't notice that NASA jacket. I, I never got a NASA jacket saying that. It's questions to ask. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure snazzy. how to answer that. Snazzy. 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 Do you know what snazzy means? I know what snazzy means. Okay. Do I look like the kind of wear snazzy NASA jacket? Is didn't snazzy come up before? <laughs> it did, didn't it, on FC? Oh, you're looking I think it did. Today. No, it's just me and a regular you got a Thursday, red tie, you've you got a little, little, little fleck in your shirt. Oh, that's, you know. You know you can pull it off. Standard behaviour from Shaka. I mean, don't you like any of those, like... I mean, surely you must be drawn to the colours that... Those ones that Stevie wears? No, no, I'm not. <laughs> No? You know those peach and green ones? Not the Stevie colours. The Stevie colours? Yeah. Not the Stevie colours. No. 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 I, don't, I don't shop in that section. I don't uh, shop in the Stevie section. What is the <laughs> the segment? Where, the section where you need sunglasses? <laughs> Frank. Looking at the a Liverpool missing... Hope he's watching this. A Liverpool... at home going, smarty pants. You mate, smarty. <laughs> Frank, a Liverpool missing Mane. He's carrying on, look. Yeah, yeah, never mind them. Never mind them too. I've got to stick up for Stevie, haven't I? It's impossible. <laughs> Can Frank hear us? We've lost them. Frank. Frank, a Liverpool missing man. Hello, you. No, you look, Frank, 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 you look beautiful. You look Frank. Oh, he can but, hear us. Um, he can't hear us. Frank, just talk. Uh, yeah, the missing money, for sure. Oh, he yes. can hear us. Ah. <laughs> oh, maybe he can see it, but he <laughs> can't okay. hear us. All right. All right. Um, Nadem, a Liverpool missing money. Uh, yes, they are missing Mane, but so by Munich because he's injured for the moment, isn't he? Um, yeah, they're, they're missing all sorts, but then you've got Nunes missing chances, you've got players injured, everyone out of form. I think Mane being there would have obviously made them potentially better, but you know, it's more than just one person that would that sort of affected the way they've been this season for me. So it would have been nice to see him playing for Liverpool still in the Premier League because he's such an incredible player, but. I think Mane being back wouldn't have been the answer to all their problems because it feels like something else is missing and it seems like Liverpool are kind of going through some sort of transition at this moment in time because they just seem so far off the pace at the moment. You always miss good players, but... We miss Frank as well because he's gone and done one. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I had enough of this. 
snazzy talk. Gone off to, he's gone off to rerun a couple of the latest shows to have a look at those colours, the Stevie's <laughs> shots. There's one, you don't watch the, the American version of The Office, but Dwight, if you, if you did watch the American version of The Office, has exactly the same suit yes. that Stevie has, the same colour scheme. I need to do a picture of the two of them. The glasses and everything. The glasses It too. is a little bit of a... Yeah, yeah a little bit a of little Dwight, double right? Tape. But that's going to go over the head of many a people here. Uh, I would suggest midfield and defence is more of an issue for Liverpool <laughs> at the moment. Oh, you've just moved on. You just be talking about I'm, the office, I'm, and you just. I'm feeling sorry. I'm feeling a little sorry that you're bashing Stevie, and he's not. I'm not saying anything. Key was bashing Stevie. You guaranteed, right? Key bashed Stevie. I stuck up for him. No, you just said he's from just... the character from the office. I'll <laughs> guaranteed he'll be sat at home now watching this, right? Eating. What will he be eating, Jack? Something. <laughs> Mince. Mince. <laughs> With his napkin tucked in here. Listen, we've, we've got to move on. He's got his big. Because you know who's. In. Yeah, we do. Because you know who's in. The righteous anger of Craig Burley. <laughs> no, 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 no. My favourite, still my favourite one from the other day was not that or Nedham's interior decorator. It was Dan's That's high chair. Dan's high chair is the winner at the moment. <laughs> yeah, Nedham, that, that, that got a few laughs the other night. Dan's high chair. Dan's high chair. Uh, Wait, what's the question? Nice, nice, nice. For the boys, most consider the Premier League the best professional league in the world. What clubs outside the league do you think are good enough to win a Premier League title? What oh. clubs outside the Premier League? So if you bring in a Real Madrid well, or a Barcelona, can they win the Premier League? Yes, they can. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Can this Barcelona win the Premier League? Probably not. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, nah, not this Barcelona. No. Yeah, all these clubs could. could you have good clubs. Bayern Munich. Europe. Bayern Munich. Yeah, good clubs. I mean, they would. I mean, I suppose I they could struggle, really struggle against the likes of Southampton and. Everton and <laughs> Bournemouth. Well, was, it, was it still kind of cold Tuesday night or whatever the ridiculous cliche yeah. was for a few years ago? I would love to see each league give one team up to swap and go and play in another league just for that whole season. It would be so fun. All right, we'll, I will give up. Uh, <laughs> we'll give up Southampton. Okay. Right. Southampton can go and play <laughs> in La Liga, and then we get a La Liga. Well, we have a. It's weird this. In the but we have. We there is this mechanism where the teams play against each other. The best. The best for me. <laughs> what I should do is the best for each league. Yeah. Play in a little separate league, like maybe in midweeks or something. Any particular night, it's like a Super League. Tuesday and a Wednesday night. And Tuesday and a Wednesday night. And with this, just before European clubs. Yeah. And then you can have a group stage and then a knockout stage. No, but let's see how they do over the whole course of a season in league play. Just say, I'm just... And does it culminate in a final or something? And could do. Very well could do. That sounds very interesting. I think we're onto something here, Craig. It we sounds are. like something Real Madrid would always beat Liverpool uh, in. Ha, 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 uh, where's Stevie when you beat him? You see, there you go bashing Stevie again. And now you're going to blame somebody else. You're going to blame somebody else. bash Stevie and blame somebody else. No, no. She was trying to stick up for Stevie there. Which Didn't is work. It's like there's, there's not a lot of leeway. <laughs> To manoeuvre. The other day she was trying to stick up for Dan, saying that he didn't have short legs. There's not a lot of manoeuvrability there no, either. No, I mean, it's, the facts okay. don't lie. No. No. He's got short legs. Short legs. I stick up for all of you, all right? There's not a pair of trousers in this planet that he doesn't need a hem taken off. <laughs> when he tries every pair of trousers on, even, even kids' trousers, they always go, right. oh, they're a bit long. Nadem, is this the start of City's yearly 15 to 16 game on beaten run? You wouldn't, you wouldn't bet against them, but they have got some tough fixtures coming up. But I don't think the players are in the best of form at this moment. But if you think that they can get better, then yeah, I guess, I guess it's possible. And it's weird that we say it's the yearly 15 game winning run because you know we've almost normalised that now. But they obviously they have a potential. Everybody sees it. But the fact that they're still in with a chance of winning the title when they've not been at their absolute best, I think that's the danger. That's why people have them down as favourites, even though they're in second, because they are very, very capable. Whether or not they do it, I'm not sure. But, you know, there are going to be some very interesting games in the next few weeks because there are a lot of teams up there going head-to-head -head and Man City right in there as well. So it's possible, but I don't know. I, I can't see it right now, but I wouldn't be surprised if they did it. Mm -hmm. I'm going to stop there because Thank I don't know where you guys are going to go else? next. You're going to bash anybody else before you no, go? No, don't want to bash right. anyone else before I go. Right, okay, I'll let Dan things. back tomorrow. He can bash enough people. <laughs> Join us tomorrow and every single day on ESPN. Still <laughs> little Dan. <laughs> 
Brainstorm. What's something that works so well that it's basically magic? Microwave. Air conditioning. What about selling with Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash FC, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash FC now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash FC.